Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, I am the penis of William Gallas, and I would like to apologize to all the Arsenal fans. I know that there have been times this season when I have not been at my proud and mighty best. But this is a problem that happens to even the best of us. Erectile dysfunction can be terrible for a man and his partner. But don't take my word for it. Here is my friend, the penis of Matthew Flemini. Hello, I'm the penis of Matthew Flemini. And for three years, I suffered from periodic bouts of limpness and flaccidness. But then I got some help, and ever since, my penis has been mighty and virile. In fact, it is so incredible that this Italian woman called me up and said, Hey, come and meet me. So I went to meet her, and I screwed as much money as I could out of that bitch. Ooh la la. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast on Arsblog.com in association as always with OleOle.com. It will be a little bit more than in association with from next week, uh, but a little more on that to come. Coming up on this week's show, a chat with Good Player from GoodPlayer.com in which we talk about Keith Edelman. Was it really a dispute with Arsene Wenger that saw him get the sack? Does Arsene want more money? Does Keith not want him to have it? Who knows? Good player tries to shed some light on that as well. Uh, some discussion about Flamini, Ebue, and the season in general. We've got Ebue as well. We've got the man in the bar who's got a player history. Uh, there's a tale of the unexpected and some other stuff as well. Quite what the other stuff is at this stage, I, as usual, just do not know. I'd like to surprise you. In fact, this week I might surprise you by there not being any other stuff at all. That would be a surprise. Well, in, in one way it would be a lie as well, wouldn't it? But, uh, you know, all depends on your perception of things like that. So, between uh, the last Arscast and this Arscast, what has happened? Well, uh, we are out of the title race. We were hoping for miracles last weekend, but Manchester United and Chelsea both won their games. Uh, pretty much as expected, West Ham rolled over and took it up the arse uh, for Manchester United. Ten men, Manchester United, Fucked them over big time. It was fairly shit from West Ham. But in fairness, they do have about 18 players out injured at the moment. Uh, Chelsea, they beat Newcastle on Monday night. So it means the best we can do is finish in third. It also means that the best we can do is finish on 83 points, which is a nice round number, uh, having beaten Everton 1-0 on Sunday. A proper end-of-season game. It really was dull as dishwater. Uh, livened up only 
by the goal from Nicholas Bentner. A good cross from Arman Traore, and Bentner arrived on time to head the ball into the net with his head, which is, you know, that's what headed goals are all about, you see. Uh, and he does have that knack, doesn't he, of arriving on time and boom. He's good. He's good at that. That's not to say that other strikers can't do it too. Adi Bayor scored some headed goals this season too. Uh, but Benders, uh, they just have that bit more headiness about them. I don't quite know uh, how to explain it. Uh, the boredom of the game, or the tedium of the game, was livened up uh, rather by watching uh, in uh, O'Neill's in Suffolk Street here in Dublin. Uh, we had a good, uh, good enough turnout of Dublin arse bloggers. So, you know, we were able to crack jokes and laugh at people and things and then, you know, occasionally turn our eye towards the television where this a dreadful feast of football was going on. Uh, nice touch from the manager to let Jens Lehmann on for 20 minutes. Uh, at the end, he replaced Lucas Fabianski for what was his final Arsenal appearance. He said he got quite emotional uh, when he was saying goodbye. And why wouldn't he? He's been here uh, for four years. Is it four years? 2003? Five years? Four years? Of, no, it's four years, isn't it? Anyway. Whatever number of years, it's a good number of years. Uh, and he played a lot of very good games for us. Things didn't really go as well as he would have expected this season. Uh, but, you know, he's a proper character. You have to say that. And uh, I said it on the blog that, or maybe I've said it somewhere else. I don't know. But a lot of footballers said, uh, they're, they're, do you remember when tennis players used to be all fucking mad? You had McEnroe, Ilya Stasi, Henri Leconte. <laughs> Henri Leconte, he was my favorite ever. French player, until I realized his name wasn't a swear word. But you had all these guys who were real, real characters, and then now they're all just these, you know, bland, sort of hitting the ball back and forward, really hard guys. And not any of them really have any sort of uh, personality to them. And football's going the same way, I think, uh, sadly. Uh, and Jens, like him or not, he, he was a real character and provided us with some great moments of footballistically uh, and non-footballistically and some hilarious bits and bobs. When we look back on them, we'll go, fucking hell. That was funny, really. That mad cunt. Uh, so good luck to Jens. He'll be uh, playing in Euro 2008 this summer. Uh, and I wish him all the best. And, and with whatever it is uh, he decides to do uh, after that. Uh, Matthew Flamini, he's gone. AC Milan. Massive, massive money uh, to a massive, massive club, though, as well. He flew out after the uh, the lap of honour or the farewell after the game against Everton. Uh, he looked a bit cheapish doing that. Uh, he's gone to AC Milan, and good luck to him. Some more discussion uh, with good play about the, uh, the Flamini situation. Leb, we don't know. The manager says he wants to keep him, but uh, according to all the reports and according to all the information we're getting, he wants to leave. And although the manager thinks uh, Leb doing a Webster would be unlikely... Uh, I think I think that's what he's going to do. To be honest, and it's uh, it's uh, maybe it's breaking the sort of gentleman's agreement where the other club won't come after a player who's under contract. But all it takes is for one club to not be so gentlemanly and say, "Well, look, these are the rules. All we're doing is uh, abiding by the rules." So we'll pay Hleb's last two years of contract and he can come play for us. And and maybe that's what'll happen. Inter Milan, of course, uh, the team interested in him. So while there are still futures to be decided, and there are, Hleb and Gilberto and possibly one or two more, discussion can wait, because after this Sunday, there is no more football. However, after this Sunday, there are many Fridays. And on Fridays, there are arsecasts. And for arsecasts, you need football, more or less. So uh, to talk about who might be going and where they might be going, why they might be going there, who might be coming in to replace them, and when they might be coming in to replace them. I'm not going to start talking about that now. I could use up all my good stuff. What the hell am I going to talk about during the summer then? It'll have to be, you know, 
Ooh, what was the the best bath you took this season? After we've done, you know, goal of the season and player and all that stuff. See what I mean? So that that can all wait. So still to come on this show, uh, a little bit more info about the Ole Ole deal. We've got a Bue, the man in the bar, uh, other stuff as well. Remember the other stuff that there might be or might not be? That could just be a lie. You'll have to wait and see. Uh, but now we'll go and talk to Good Player from goodplayer.com. Did that just go bing? Did. Oh, there was a torrent just finished downloading. It was it was um, a legal torrent. It certainly wasn't a, an episode of Family Guy. <clears throat> anyway, Good Player from goodplayer.com. Hello. Hi, Beth. Uh, now, on your blog yesterday, you had an interesting little story, uh, um, a possible dispute between um, Arsene and Keith Edelman, and that, that brought about the departure of the managing director. Um, can you shed a bit more light on it? Well, I've been told a couple of places um, that it's certainly Arsenal's protestations of all innocence over this are probably, uh, probably not exactly true, if you like. Um, it certainly seems to have been uh, a disagreement between the two over money. Now, what surprised me when I was told was that Arsenal seemed to be angling for more money, if you like, and the dispute was whether there was was more money. Um, and in the past, as I understand it, um, he, Keith, has, Keith has kind of jokingly told people in private, you know, that he can't get Arsenal to spend the money. Um, so it's, it's slightly confusing from that point of view, but there was certainly a disagreement, and it seems that the board sided with Arsenal, and Keith is out, if you like. Although I'm also told, and I don't know how true this is, that the, the stuff about him staying around for a year and still being involved, may, there may be some truth in that, in that he's a, not necessarily just a marching off into the sunset completely right now. So we'll have to see about that. It's all, it's all a bit vague and typically typically very coming from Arsenal. Yeah, there are some, I mean, there are stories, I don't know if you read them, about, you know, uh, they, were, they were likening his departure to that of David Dean in the sense that, you know, his nameplates were being taken off his seats and, you know, his desk was being cleared and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think that, yes, and I think that, that, that seems to be the way that they do things. They tend to, I remember George Graham was at his desk cleared very, very quickly. Um, with something, he was out of the club within something like... 45 minutes of being fired back in 1995. It's, it's slightly unclear because there has been the stuff about him going completely. There's also been the stuff about him serving out 12 months. And as I heard, as I said, I, I've heard that he would still have some involvement in some way in terms of the financial side. But, but, but I mean, it's, it's unclear, and I suppose uh, different parties have different takes on it. Yeah, and we have Peter Hillwood again saying now that, uh, you know, whatever money Arson wants to spend, uh, it's there for him to spend. So, again, th- there seems to be quite a, a lot of confusion uh, about exactly what's happening. Do you think possibly there's, how will I say this, an outside influence or more than one outside influence creating a bit of um, confusion around where the club stands financially and what's going on at boardroom level? I don't know, is the honest answer. I mean, there's obviously the looming presence of Conker of of Uzmanov, um and it's it's a bit unsettling. I mean, it's no there's no reason for the club to come out and tell everyone how much money they've got. That's a, mm. that's an absurd thing to do because that simply uh, makes people ask more money of you when you try and sign anyone. Just look at Chelsea. So yeah. um, I don't really know if you answer to that one. Okay, fair enough. Um, money was an issue with Matthew Flamini. Arsene suggested that that he left not for footballing reasons, but but for more money. Um, we do have a wage structure in place. There obviously are limits that you can go to when you're uh, when you're offering players wages because other players will want will want more and more. What's your take on the Flamini thing? Because I think fan opinion of him is quite divided at the moment. There are those that think he's done you know just what he was perfectly entitled to do, respected his contract, and there are others that are thinking he's a bit of a money grabbing little cunt. 
Well, let's be honest here. I mean, when we say it's for purely financial reasons, I don't think you can say that when someone's going to AC Milan. Mm. You know, had, had, he, had he signed for Newcastle um, for a whole whack of <laughs> load of money, then you'd say maybe. Sure. Um, I think what, what you have to say here is Matthew Flamini, he was 20 when he came over here. He upsticks from France to England. Now he's 24. He's got an incredible opportunity to shed loads of money. And he's, and he's doing the same. And this is... What you get with players like him is you get players who are upwardly mobile, who are prepared to go anywhere, who are prepared to do whatever, who you know, who will settle anywhere, and are very good at doing that. On the flip side, you know, it mean, on the flip side, it means that you won't get, you know, they're, they're not like Stephen Gerrard, who's going to spend all his all his career at one club, and there are, there are pros and cons on both sides. And you know, frankly, I don't I don't know what you think, but it seems to me some of the fans are getting um, really irate about it. I just slightly spiteful and slightly annoyed. I mean, you know, give the guy some credit; he's had a great season. He's going off to a great club for more money. <laughs> it yeah. happens. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, I, you read people comparing him to Ashley Cole, and to me that's ludicrous. I mean, Cole was under contract. Cole lied about what it was that he was going to do, or what it was he had done. Went to meet Jose Mourinho, of all people, before we, we, we were playing Manchester United. So from Flamini's point of view, I see a guy that, that played really, really well this season that we would have liked to have kept, but at the same time, a guy that we were prepared to let go to Birmingham last, last summer. Uh, he respected his contract and made the most of the situation. And so, I mean, I think if anybody should be angry, it should be at the Bosman ruling rather than the player who takes advantage of it. Yeah, look, let, let's be brutal about this. Let's cut this down to its bare bones. Matthew Flamini's worth a lot of money. Uh, well, sorry, Matthew Flamini thinks he's very good. He is a very good player. He, he probably thinks he should deserve to be on the same as Seth Sabagas. I think most of us probably don't think he deserves to quite be on the same as Seth Sabagas. That's probably where you know that kind of dispute arises, and that, that's going to happen. And you know, the likes of me, I, a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Oh well, you might, you know, you might not find life is so easy as racing around, etc., etc." Looking back on that, if he if he thought the same, he said, "Oh no, it might not be so easy racing around. I'm going to stay around Arsenal." Well, it's easy. Well, we wouldn't really want that either. So you, you can't have it both ways, can you? you know, okay. Good luck to the guy, I'd say. That's true. Fair enough. Okay, so while, while the, the manager is talking about not losing Kleb and not losing Gilberto, um, let, let's look at a player, perhaps, that he seems to have a bit of a blind spot about, and that's Emmanuel Ebue. And I think most people would suggest that Ebue is probably a, a reasonably decent backup for a right-back position. Uh, if he doesn't play too many games in the season. But as a right winger, has been an abject failure this season. Um, I saw your latest match report and your player ratings on it. He got two out of ten. The guy is just utterly woeful. And I, I, I just, I'm not sure whether Arsenal's got a blind spot over him. So I think he, he moved him from right back. He realised he was, he was you know, rapidly becoming rubbish there. And, uh, and I think that when he's got, uh, once he's got the players, once you know, Rizitsky's fit, Fladersy stays... Uh, Walcott now is capable of, you know, kind of running with the football and stuff. Um, you know, I don't think you'll see that much of Emmanuel Bure, to be honest. Um, okay, yeah, but I mean, guy... you're talking about Rosicki being fit. I mean, that's a yeah. That's no, a pipe sorry, dream. I'm being, I'm being, <laughs> I'm being ridiculous. Well, what, now, what but, happens? Uh, what happens if Rosicki doesn't get fit and Kleb doesn't stay and he sees Walcott maybe as an option up front? What happens on the right hand side of midfield then? Well, I think, I think he'll, I think Walcott can play on the wing. He's got this kid Bella. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's talking about buying creative player. It wouldn't surprise me if we get another winger because goal-scoring wingers are quite important. If you look at all our title-winning sides, they always had a really good goal-scoring winner, whether it be Marwood or Limpar or Osmars or Perez or whatever. So, and we haven't got that this season. If you want an indication of maybe why we haven't won the league, it's because we didn't have, in games against Wigan or Middlesbrough or Villa, etc., we didn't have one of those wingers, a Freddie or a Perez, who pop up and just, just nab a goal. Um, 
I think I think he'll find players. I think Abue's just Abue. It's a sad story, but not not because you feel sad for the guy because he's thought it entirely on himself. His his attitude just absolutely stinks. You know, you can you can put you can put up with it when a guy is a is a is a is just a, a bad player that tries really really hard, and you can feel a little bit sorry for him. But when a guy's got talent, which very clearly does, but just behaves on the pitch like an absolute idiot every time, and I mean, not even the most blinkered Arsenal fans at the ground or wherever can are able to defend the guy. And blimey, we're a, we're a, we're a pretty loyal lot, really, and we'll. Yeah, but we, we can't, no one can defend him barely anymore, so it's, yeah. it's quite ridiculous. It is what do you think of him? Um, what I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think he's been played out of position, but again, his antics, his behaviour is is crazy. I think uh, the diving, the just the lack of uh, any footballing brain, well, any brain at all, it seems to me. Um, and he's, he seems to me the antithesis of, a, of an Arsene Wenger player. He likes his players to have this modicum of intelligence. They seem to be you know, clever guys who, you know, Ibuwe just is the exact opposite of all of that. And I, I, I just can't understand it. To me, it's the biggest question mark over this season is, is why he's played so many games. Yeah, no, fair point. All fair right. point. Speaking of the season, um, if we win against Sunderland on Sunday, we will finish with 83 points, which is a 15-point improvement over last season. I know everything and everybody is, is terribly disappointed because we came so close uh, to winning the league. And when you look back on it with hindsight, it's easy to say we should have done this, should have done that. As a season, how would you sum it up? Are, are you, you know, disappointed to the to the point where you want to break everything up, or or is it just a question of fine tuning for next season? Good luck. Someone said at the start of the season you'll get either eighty or eighty-three points. We would have said, hmm, interesting. That's not so bad at all. Um, the way it happened was really disappointing. I've, I've been thinking long and hard about this, is that I'm prone to do and neglect thinking about other things that probably matter a bit more. But I've been trying to work out what happened. And my, my, my new theory is that we basically hit a bad, a bad spot um, from the Birmingham game onwards for four games. And unfortunately, whereas normally you'd be able to kind of roll out of that, the next phase after that was that really tough period against United, Chelsea, Liverpool, twice, etc. Um, and we essentially went into that period on the ropes. We went in like a boxer who was already on the ropes, who was kind of punch drunk, if you like, who was kind of struggling. Um, and if, 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 maybe, if maybe we'd had our bad spots in January or something, we'd have had a few games to recover and really get into the Man U, Chelsea and Liverpool games. Because I think, I don't know if you... I... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. She think we played very badly in the Man U Chelsea and Liverpool games. I thought we played quite well. We could so easily have have got draws or even a, at, at Stamford Bridge and Anfield and, and a win at Old Trafford, frankly. Uh, and that would have that would have done for us. And so I, I just it's such tiny margins. Break it all up? No, I think you have to be kind of mad to suggest that. Sunderland, three points. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't know. I can't Come say. On. Can't once. say it honestly. For once, for once in my Come life. On. Um, yeah, it doesn't actually matter, does it? All right, I'll predict. I'll predict that we'll probably draw or something. All right, then. but it doesn't really matter, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, no, but it would be nice, of course, to, to finish on those uh, on those eighty-three points. All right, good player. Thanks very much. We'll we'll chat again soon. Okay, thank you. So thanks very much to Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. Do check out his blog. It is, of course, GoodPlayer.com with some www's in front of it, if you so desire. Uh, I tell you what, we'll do now though. We'll go to the bar where the man in the bar has got a player history. Yes, blogger right there, so he is. <laughs> I was reading your site during the week, so I was. You see, you've sold out to the old corporate dollar, you big fucking money-grabbing who are you? You're nothing better than Matthew Flamini, so you're not. Sure, I wouldn't blame you anyway. I do exactly the same, and my joy at this deal will indeed be reflected in my next invoice to you. Now, we're going to talk about an Arsenal player who, as a manager, is totally different from himself as a player. I'm talking, of course, about George Graham. Now, George Graham began his career at Aston Villa, only played a few games for them, and then he went to Chelsea. And this began a little bit of a pattern in George's life, which we'll come to a bit later on. After playing about 70 league games for Chelsea and scoring about 35 goals, he moved to Arsenal in 1966. It cost £75,000, and I assume all of that money went to the club. His nickname was Stroller, because he was an elegant kind of a midfielder. He wouldn't be exactly what you might call one of those track-and-back-a-lot fellas. He liked to do his stuff and then stand there watching while everybody else got the ball back for him to do his stuff again. Of course, he was part of the great 1970-71 team that won the double and even tried to claim the goal that was credited to Eddie Kelly in the cup final against Liverpool. Himself and Kelly, best of friends before that, were the mortalest of all mortal enemies afterwards. And one day after training, shock teammates had to break up a sword fight between the pair going up and down the Caledonian Road. He left Arsenal in 1972 and, and then went to play for Manchester United, you see. And this is where this uh, pattern of behaviour comes in. After that he played for Portsmouth and Crystal Palace and became a manager of Millwall. Are you beginning to see the pattern yet? Leaving aside his time at Arsenal from 1986 till the day he was frog-marched out of his office in 1995, he then went on to manage Leeds United and Tottenham Hotspurs. 
So while George might have been a fine player for the Arsenal, he had a weakness. I suppose you could almost call it an illness, couldn't you? Apart from being with Arsenal, he pretty much surrounded himself with cunts the whole rest of his life. It's kind of sad when you think about it. Nowadays, George appears as a pundit sometimes on the old pay-per-view TV. Otherwise, he does experiments in the laboratory at his stately home, where, after rounding up sleeping tramps from the streets of London, he sets them on fire and sees how long it takes them to die. It's true. The man in the bar will have another player history on next week's Arscast. Now, to talk a little bit more about this ole ole thing, um, I, I don't really know what more to say about it beyond what I said on the blog. Um, it's very rare, I think, that a person gets an opportunity to do something that they really love doing or indeed to make a living doing what it is that they really love to do. When I started Arsblog six years ago, the furthest thing from my mind was uh, making a living at it or even making any money at it. It was a hobby and it was a very part-time hobby and, and it's has grown over the years. As you all know, many of you have been here from the very start and you've seen how, how many more visitors it gets and and all that sort of stuff. So when, when this chance came up, I really had to think very carefully about it because I'm very aware that there is uh, a special kind of a community on Ars blog. We have the people that comment uh, on the uh, on the arses every day, and and these are people, as I said in the blog, that that uh, they chat all day long. Very little of it has to do with what I write on 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 the blog each morning, which is probably a good thing. But there's this interaction that goes on all day, and that's been going for for years now. And on the forums, and I know that many of you would like to join the forums, but I keep the forums closed uh, for a reason. Uh, and that's because the more people you have in a forum, the more difficult it becomes to manage, the more clashes of personality there are, and the more uh, fucking painful it becomes for everybody who's on there. So from time to time, I do sort of let people in on recommendation from other people, etc., etc. But for the most part, I keep it closed. And I was very aware that um, becoming part of OleOle.com might put some pressure on me to... Uh, to open those things up or, or or what have you. Now, to be fair to them, they were really, really very good and they were um, very aware as well that, that what Arseblog is is more than a blog. It's more than writing every morning. It's more than traffic. It's more than users. There is something special about Arseblog, about the community that exists online and offline because uh, people go to matches together. They sell tickets to each other. They hang out together. They drink together. I believe, uh, I, yeah, I believe some of them even have sex together. So that was something that I was very uh, keen for it not to be damaged in, in any way. And OleOle.com recognize that and, and uh, have allowed me to maintain a, a measure of control over the site, over what I write. And, and that's another point I'd like to address is that, you know, it's not going to change. What I write or how I write it won't change. There'll be no censorship. There'll be no, uh, you can't say that because we're this or, or that or the other. It will not change. The look of the blog will be practically the same. There might be a little bit of ole ole branding at the top and at the bottom, but generally it's going to look exactly the same on Monday uh, as it did on, on Friday or Saturday or Sunday or the day before. Uh, it's going to feel look and feel the same as it did. We're going to do all the same kind of things. The Arscast will continue. 
Yeah, there'll be occasional columns from safety and, and other people. The uh, the A and R section will have gotten a facelift, and hopefully, I can I can convince Leopold Mendacious uh, to you know get back behind the keyboard a bit and, and start doing some stuff on the real A and R. So my, my primary concern when they came to me with this deal was to ensure that what Arsblog is wouldn't be damaged. Uh, and what Arsblog can be in the future can can be enhanced because it means now that I've got uh, more time to devote to the site and and hopefully more time to to do new things. What those new things are yet, I don't quite know. Uh, I don't even have any ideas yet. I have to sit down and have a good think about it because all the concentration at the moment is is getting it moved over and and all that sort of stuff. The principal difference, I suppose, will be the will be the URL. Uh, what was Arsblog.com will become Arsblog.oleole.com. Uh, you should update your bookmarks, I suppose, from Monday. But, you know, if you just want to put in arsblog.com, it will redirect you uh, to the site. It is, uh, I suppose, an opportunity that I just couldn't turn down. To make your living writing a blog about Arsenal, fucking dream come true territory. It really is. It really is. I understand as well that there are people that would have concerns about, you know, being taken over by... Conglomerates, American corporations, etc., etc., etc. But I would ask you to put yourself in my position that having done something for six years for free, to have given that much of your time every day, every week, every month, every year, remember it's 365 days a year, Iris Blog, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, Tom is brilliant, and if I want to go on holidays every now and again, Tom will fill in. But sometimes I, I blog from holidays. So to have done that for six years, to now be offered wages every month to go and do what it is that I love doing, what it was that I was doing for free, how can you turn that down? How can you turn that down? So um, that, that that's pretty much all, all I want to say on it. Thank you to everybody who emailed with messages of uh, support and congratulations. Uh, all very appreciated. I did try and reply to them all. I'm quite sure that you'll uh, still enjoy Arsblog because Arsblog is going to be Arsblog. Uh, it might be in a different place. It might have a slightly different URL, but Arsblog will always remain uh, Arsblog. Uh, Oleole.com is uh, a really fantastic-looking site. It's uh, something I'd urge you to uh, take a look at. In terms of uh, the functionality of the site, it really is state-of-the-art. I think it's got the potential to be a really, really huge site. It is, I suppose, trying to be... Uh, for football fans, what what MySpace is uh, for 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 music fans. Now I know football is a little bit more decisive or divisive, I should say, uh, that you're not necessarily going to get uh, Manchester United fans coming over to the Arsenal section, etc., etc. But all these people can live in peace and harmony in in the one place. And there's some really great features. Uh, the best thing I think on the site is is the wiki. Um, sort of thing. So you can go to the Arsenal page, click on a player, and you can click on you know uh, his uh, details, his wiki, which you can populate uh, with information, of course. Now, we know what wiki uh, is like, and people can get a bit vandalistic, but uh, we, we'll stay on top of that. But as a resource then to find out about footballers, who did, how many goals did Kleb not score this season? How many times did Abue get booked, etc., etc., etc.? It's a really fantastic thing. So do take some time to, to explore the Ole Ole site. Um, and that's that's really about uh, all I can say on it, other than thank you to everybody 
down the years, all six years since Arsblog uh, has been going, uh, for visiting the site, for supporting the site, for commenting, for being a member of the forums, for sending emails, entering competitions, whatever it is uh, that you've done uh, for the site, I really, really do appreciate it because without you, uh, this, this wouldn't have happened for me. So thanks a lot. That's it. Welcome to Tales of the Unexpected on the Ozblog Ozcast. Hello, my name is George, and I've got another tale of the unexpected. This week I was in Manchester trying to sell three donkeys, but nobody wanted the donkeys. If you'd like a donkey, just let me know. But I was in a nightclub toilet when in walked Cristiano Ronaldo. Then, when I was washing the piss off me hands, I bumped into him ever so slightly. And he didn't fall on the ground, crying and screaming and rolling around like a bitch. That was unexpected to me. Another tale of the unexpected from George on next week's Arscast. Who knows what he'll be selling and and where he'll be. I'm not sure I'd ever like to meet George, especially not in a nightclub toilet. Just saying. So one more game left to play this season, and then it's all over. Hmm, sad. Uh, Sunderland away it is. Roy Keane has said his players won't be allowed to go on a lap of honour, which is, you know, I think a bit harsh. They did well this season, Sunderland, didn't they? They stayed up, and it's not so much a lap of honour, but maybe to say thanks to all their to all their fans. But anyway, that's not our problem. We'll be going there with some, I suppose, inexperience. Arsene Wenger talking about Kieran Gibbs starting and, and possibly Mark Randall in midfield as well. We know that Sesk is out injured. Flamini won't be playing because, uh, you know, he, he's going to sign for AC Milan. Hleb won't be playing. Rosicki won't be playing. Diaby won't be playing. Eduardo won't be playing. Van Persie, we don't know anything about just yet. Uh, and at the back, I don't know. Who's he going to play at the back? I suppose Philippe Senderos and, and Juru might come in for uh, the final game of the season. Traore at the back. Fabianski will start and go. And, of course, the big question is where will he play Abue? Now it's time to be at home with Emmanuel Abue. Oh, yeah. Welcome to my home. I am Abue. Abue like Arsenal right back. Top three Abue Arsenal right back. Number one, Pat Rice. And Abue not say this just because Pat Rice number two boss man. Number two, Oleg Luzhny. Abue like player that remind Abue of animal. Luzhny Wonderful horse-moose crossover is crazy Ukrainian Morse. Number three, Abue, right back, Lauren. Because Lauren say he strangle Abue if Abue not say Lauren. So Lauren, number one forever. Go, Lauren. I love Lauren. Yeah. Please go now. Tune in next week for more At Home with a Buoy. Oh, 
I suppose the other big question is trying to find somewhere to actually see this game on Sunday. Uh, it is Sunday, isn't it? One sec. Yeah, it is Sunday. Just just clicking. I knew it was Sunday. But, you know, when, when you say something, sometimes you go, is it? Hang on a second. I'm not, not 100% sure, even though you are. But there's a little party that goes, no, 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 no. I call it the Ben Kingsley part. No, 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 no. Maybe that's just me, is it? You don't have one of those. All right, then. But anyway... Fingers crossed we can end the season on a high note with a win, with some young players in the team and and that none of our players get their ankle broken like what happened to Diaby there a couple of seasons back. Let's hope that, will we? Yes, indeed. All right, so uh, for this week's Arscast, uh, that's just about the size of it. Uh, Talk to you next week on the blog, of course, uh, and on next week's Arscast as well. So until then, take it easy, have a great weekend, uh, and thanks for being Arse blog people. Bye. Hello, this is Jens Lehmann with an emotional goodbye to the Arsenal fans. As you know, I'm a very emotional person and uh, it's very difficult for me to to express what it is I'm feeling at the moment. So I'd like to sing a little song, if I might. <coughs> goodbye, Arsenal, my old friend. I'll never play for you again. I will not shout at William Gallas or kick a boy in the ass. But there's something I'd like to say before I go. And it is this. I'm going to fucking kill Manuel Almunia one day. I swear to God I'll break his fucking face. I will wait until I'm retired many years and I will track him down and I will kill the cunt where he sleeps. Jens never forgets. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.